Thought-provoking? No question. Informative? You bet. This is Talk of the Town on 1290 CJBK. One of the regular features here on Talk of the Town that's always fascinating, and as a newcomer I find it fascinating, watching the dynamics work between uh, two parties and a moderator, because i it's tough for me to get a word in edgewise sometimes. Left, right, and center. Always an interesting discussion. Bob Metz, Gil Warren, join me in studio. Good after... I always say good afternoon because I'm an afternoon guy. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Good morning. How are you doing? Uh, good, good. Uh, I was just talking to... Uh, we talked this morning about Joe Clark and his resignation, and that elicited absolutely zero phone response. I had an email from a guy who, uh, who uh, wrote at 7.20 this morning a, a rather nice email. I didn't necessarily agree with anything he said, but it was, it was well penned. So I can uh, appreciate for, and especially at 7.20 in the morning, that was pretty good. But absolutely no one uh, is caring about the fifth place party and the replacement of the leader. Well, I, I think that the point there is that uh, you, you gave the Tories an, an hour of time this morning, and uh, there's another leadership race going on within the New Democrats. And I think the who? The NDP, <laughs> the New Democratic Party of Canada. That's still the name? Uh, Government of Manitoba, by the way. Oh, and Saskatchewan. Wow. And Saskatchewan. Formerly of BC and Ontario. The, 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 it's interesting that the, the right-wing media want to talk about the Reform Party and the Conservatives and uh, the Fraser Institute and all those guys. But, uh, you know, it's a competitive political situation here. A significant part of the population supports the NDP or left-wing liberals who can move over to the NDP given the right circumstances. So I think that the NDP leadership is the really interesting one. I think that uh, the Liberal Party is falling to pieces in front of us. It's amazing what's happened to that party. It's, it's a dying party. I think that uh, Joe Clark's resignation will not um, open the, do the door to a uh, unification of the alliance and the, and the conservatives. The, the, the right will stay split, and I think the big chances for the NDP. I'm, as president of Labour Council, our council hasn't taken a position, but personally I'm supporting Jack Layton, and I think he's a great candidate, and I think he is a, a new Trudeau uh, of, of the 21st century, and I think he has a potential to become the Prime Minister. Robert? Um, <laughs> you know, this, to me, is a whole hum subject, because really, I'm not that interested in personalities. I'm more interested in ideas. Mm -hmm. And the ideas that are coming out of any of our federal options, the major ones, are not the ones that I particularly support. They might support particular policies here and there that I can agree yeah, with. Yeah, you can pick and choose among sure. the parties. And, okay. and when I do, I find myself to be... You know, there's even some NDP policies I, I agree with. There's certain conservative policies, mm -hmm. CA policies, and even, believe it or not, liberal policies. Mm -hmm. But the policies I look for are the ones that are consistent with my philosophy of individual freedom, individual responsibility. And unfortunately, the major parties have very mixed policies in that regard. And I think that when you mix policies like that, you're going to lose your freedoms in favor of some you know, illusion of, a, of security that may last for a while, but not for too long. Um, so really, you know, to me, it's just a... The whole Joe Clark thing is just a passing fancy. and Slow uh, news day in the summer? Sort of, yeah. Okay, there you go. And, and, and there was nothing else happening, and they had to write about something. I, I want to comment about the whole ho-hum uh, comment that, uh, that Bob just made. I think this is a golden opportunity to make politics exciting for everybody. There are leadership races going on all over the place. There is a, leader, there is a liberal mm -hmm. leadership race, whether you want to admit it or not. An unofficial leadership. There is. Uh, absolutely. That's what There's technically an unofficial conservative yes, race now. That's right. Well, and, 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 an end, and an NDP race. politics exciting. Noam Chomsky said that it's uh, unfortunate that uh, in, in he was talking about the states, but it applies to Canada, that there are people who know incredible details about sports and that sports mm -hmm. is exciting and yes. interesting and there's those sports trivia guys who can remember yes. 
Yes. Who ate what in 1934? That's me. Uh, we should be able to do the same thing with politics. And when Bob says, oh, it's all hum, I don't like the policies, it's all boring, I think that people should be excited. I think that everybody, if you want to look at it from a competitive model, there's something for everybody here in terms of left, right, and center right now in terms of the, the parties and the issues. And I think that it shouldn't just be leadership-oriented, but I think leadership's an important thing. But this is a time for everybody to talk about the issues. And I think for everybody to get excited and for everybody to pay attention and to know the names of the candidates running for all the parties and, and to look at this political situation. And, and I think we have a, a unique sort of set of circumstances here where the liberal... Uh, federal monopoly on power is breaking down very rapidly and and I think the guy that I'm supporting for the NDP, Jack Layton, had quite a bit to do with that when as f president of the Canadian Federation of Municipalities he convinced Paul Martin that the federal government has to put part of its surplus into into the cities who are dying for funds and then that was the big fight that led to Chen kicking Martin out of the cabinet so it's a very interesting dynamics what's going on here. All parties are debating and they're interacting with it, each other and I think we should get people interested and make it exciting. But don't you think maybe people are overwhelmed right now? There are more, not necessarily more pressing concerns on people's mind. I know it's great if every citizen was politically attuned to what's going on throughout the, you know, throughout their municipality, throughout their region, their province, nationally, internationally. But, you know, it's the summertime. People have other things to do. They want to care a little less. They want to go outside. They want to relax. Maybe, you know, if the, if the debate would be a little more spirited if it was in the dead of winter or in well, the fall. What debate are you talking about? There's no debate. There's well, a debate I mean, between personalities but here. There's a leadership debate. Well, there's a Gil debate Gil in the said NDP. it's time to talk about the issues, but all he's talked about so far is personalities. Who's talking I'll, to who? I'll be happy to know? talk about the issues. Well, so would if, I. If you but give me a second. And that's and what gets, gets yeah. makes politics exciting, I think, is talking about the issues. For, I, I want to respond to the over people are overwhelmed part. It's summertime. Uh, the uh, NDP leadership convention is in January. Mm -hmm. The Tories are saying that theirs is after, after the, the liberal, liberal which is in February. The liberal, which is not a leadership thing, it's a leadership review. So we've got a period here of six months or maybe a year of, of uh, leadership uh, contests within all the major parties. And so uh, this, you know, debate will continue into September and October. Uh, talking about issues, I mean, in Jack Layton's uh, campaign, he's talking about uh, the homeless issue and how we have to do something, that governments have a responsibility to take care of their people and to house them. He's talking about the environment and how just this summer and last summer we've had constant uh, smog alerts. You know, mm -hmm. the air pollution is pouring in from the states. It's also pouring out of Nanticoke and, and Ontario Hydro is going for more coal. That's a big issue. I mean, you can't even cut your lawn anymore because it's a smog day and your lawnmower produces four times more pollution well, than your car. Well, I don't think that's an issue at all. I think you what? just... Yes, it no, is. those are just symptoms Smog of is things. an issue. Those are, no, it's a fact. The issue is, what do you do about it? I think both sides want to do something about smog. I had, I've never heard a political party yet go out and say, smog. I'm in favor of pollution that's and a, smog. That's like the party that's against family values. The Ontario yes. does not exist. The Ontario Tories are pro-smog. So the issue is not smog. You can't yes. just say smog's yeah. an issue. It's the not Ontario Tories are pro-smog, they just won't say it. Well, why did the NDP... Well, if the NDP was in power for five years, how come they didn't decommission Nanticoke or Lambton or any of the coal burning facilities the instead, NDP, or uh, change them over to a natural gas. The NDP. They had five years at Ontario Hydro. The NDP Hydro. did not run uh, the generators, the coal-fired generators, at full capacity. The NDP did not deregulate uh, or re-regulate 
the, uh, the industry, so there's a profit incentive for private business to run those coal-fired generators. The NDP pushed wind power well, and under, solar you know, energy. I would say under the NDP, the they didn't need well, capacity because <laughs> the well, employment situation in the province that wasn't too good. Fair, that's, that's a fair, so that that's uh, almost a valid point. That's almost <laughs> fair. No, the NDP a little below had a belt, policy of pushing green power, and it was scrapped as soon as the Tories got in. And the Tories well, now you see the Tories in power. There's a wind farm going up at Bruce Nuclear. There's a huge fight oh, in eastern Ontario wind farm, about wind one, farms. A wind, a wind farm of five generators that have produced enough power for a small town of 2,000. It's peanuts. It's, it's, you know, it's nothing. Well, that's how you start, don't you? No, they should've, it should be a much bigger program. And they, so they, and hydro prices can, can rise then. So you're willing to pay much higher hydro prices would, if we did not subsidize wind power I would pay out of this stratosphere in terms of price. I would pay more uh, and be happy to pay more for wind or solar power. Would you choose on your electricity bill to elect to pay? You can yes. do it in some... You would elect to pay. Mm -hmm. That you're willing to pay if it's a, a green yeah. production. Yeah. Hydro count is green? As long as it was a choice, I'd be in favor of it. Okay. Does hydro count as green? Yeah, if, if they're uh, organized in, in, and are producing solar and... Uh, no, and no, hydroelectric. Oh, yes, is absolutely, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say that it does. The Actually, itself. nuclear power is the cleanest energy for what it except puts for out the, than anything Except else. for the waste, which is not very clean, which well, is not Well, even, even so, the, the waste yet. is a minor think, issue compared to every other type of uh, energy-burning no, fuel. No, radioactivity is not a minor issue. Now, the other point, and, and, and it just isn't a matter of... what I said, It Bill. isn't... I said it's minor compared to, to the other types of garbage we would have did we not have this type of power. Radiation uh, that lasts for 50,000 years is not minor when you have to have a civilization to keep taking care of it. There are many means that we can anyway, take the, care of that The other problem. side of the coin is not just producing green power. The other side of the coin is reducing our consumption of power. And again, the person that I'm supporting for the NDP leadership, Jack Layton, was, as a city councillor in Toronto, was very instrumental in their uh, green retrofit program. And so what are you saying? What that to reduce, to reduce me, the consumption? Make, that doesn't make sense, Just though. a minute. You wanted to talk about the issues. I've got an issue, and then you cut me off. Well, I, I'm, so I'd like to say something about some you of these can, issues. You can say that in a minute. What, and let me get this idea out. The idea that Jack pushed and, and the progressive people in Toronto City Council was that you take older buildings and you retrofit them. You put in new windows. Mm -hmm. You put in insulation. Yeah. Uh, you cut down on the amount of energy those buildings are using. You change the lights. And they did that in Toronto. They then went, and Jack Layton, as, as president of the Canadian Federation of Municipalities, then went to the federal government and convinced them to bring in a green infrastructure program, which the sub in, the, in, the, in the second year of that program, they doubled the funding for that. And, and that creates so construction jobs. You'd have to subsidize them. That's right. Okay. And, and, and you gain back tremendously in terms of, of reduced amount of energy being used. You create all kinds of construction jobs, and, and you stimulate the economy, and you make our, our country more efficient in terms of its energy use. So reducing the demand for electricity, and, and they're now saying all of a sudden that we're short of power during the heat waves. That's a very important thing, and that's a matter of leadership. And, 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 and uh, the uh, Toronto City Council and Jack Layton and the Canadian Federation of Municipal Municipalities pushed that idea, but the federal government should embrace it far more strongly. But it's, it but it's already to everyone's personal advantage to do exactly that. I cut back because it saves me money. I'll turn off the light because it saves me money. I don't need a guy like you passing laws telling me I have to. And when you talk about reducing demand, that's not going to happen if Ontario is going to grow. We may all cut back in our energy use, but, but because our population will continue to grow and new people will be coming in, the, 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 the aggregate effect will be a greater need for energy. And to me, the biggest things that have happened in terms of saving energy recently has been techno technological advances. Our TVs and VCRs today and that kind of entertainment that we have in our home uses a fraction of the energy that the old TVs and even the old radios with tubes in them have. Turn off your TV and read a book. Uh, you use even less energy. Sorry? 
turn off the TV and read a book. People you, that, watch too choice, much TV. But are you going to legislate that? Because that's what we're talking about I'm going to encourage people. I mean, well, what do you mean by encourage? I just read, mean, Michael, uh, I read Michael Moore's what book. What do you mean I've by been, encourage? I've, mean, just, I've been reading Michael Moore's oh, book, Michael Stupid, Moore. White Mo- Stupid White Men. Oh, yeah. And uh, he notes that, I, I forget the numbers exactly, but it's something like the average American in one year spends 99 hours reading a book and it's 1,390 hours watching TV. Well, I think the numbers books are, as good as TV they made, maybe more people would I think the numbers are probably similar for Canada. And, and that's sad because it, it leads to a shallow society that uh, it doesn't... It leads to NDP supporters. Does, it does not. <laughs> it leads to people supporting Nazis in the Freedom Party. Oh, ooh, ooh, well, hey, now the name calling yeah. starting. Uh, this is Left, Right and Center. We're going to take a quick break. Gil Warren and Bob Metzer in studio. We'll be back right after this. This is Talk of the Town, where interesting people talk and London listens. Welcome back to Talk of the Town on 1290 CJBK. Tom McConnell sitting in for Jim Chapman. This is Left, Right, and Center with Bob Metz and Gil Warren. We're talking a little about, about issues and ideas. And let's skip ahead. Let's well, make I'd like it... To, I, I'd like to address Gil's comment about associating Nazism with Freedom Party. Okay. Uh, a similar thing just happened recently in both the Globe and Mail and in the National Post. Not with respect to Freedom Party, but with respect to one of our icons, who happens to be philosopher-novelist Ayn Rand. And I happen who to... Who is a fascist? Uh, yeah, right. And here, you know, here, McGill rejected a $1.5 million chair for an Ayn Rand chair. Mm-hmm. Writer likened to Hitler, says, says the article in who the National Who was putting Post. up the money for that chair? And, uh, well, an objectivist, obviously, some French yeah. fellow named Tremblay. And but what's ironic is that Ayn Rand is absolutely the epitome, the opposite of anything Hitler could be. She was she was an individualist. Hitler was a collectivist. She believed in free markets. Hitler believed in controlled markets. She believed in zero censorship for anything. Hitler was a complete censorship propagandist. She believed in individual freedom of choice for all individuals. Hitler did not believe that at all. At, at all. There's nothing even remotely, you know. Not only that, she was a Jew. Her her her. Uh, her, uh, you know, her intellectual heir now is a fellow named Leonard Peikoff. Okay, enough of that. Who wrote a whole book called "Ominous Parallels," which is a which which is a which is a condemnation of the Hitler regime and comparing it to the kind of thinking that Gil Warren is presenting to us today. If anyone here today is a is a fascist, it's Gil. I do not believe well, in no, private control or government control of anyone's life in any way. And for someone to sit on a show and, and yell Nazi at me. You supported something I will you ever. S- you supported, and you support, and you said on this show a while back that you supported the Freedom Party guy who was elected in Austria, who was denounced by every. I didn't support him. I defended and progress- him. Progressive government the, in Europe on the grounds that people that he were believes quote in on. freedom, and he doesn't. He, that guy does not believe in freedom. He is a fascist, and and the fascist. Well, what, will, the he fascists believes in, are, in freer markets for Europe. Fascists will never admit that they don't believe in democracy. They're going to say that they're for democracy until they get into power and they, and they try. But this whole well, that's this true. Th- fascists your don't debate in democracy, is your but debate. I do. Your debate is a, is trivia of the right. Anne Rand is an extremely right wing person, and we should n- disregard that, her. That's ideas. why the Globe well, Mail has has to write a one third page because she's there's not a lot of people. Anymore, yeah, right? yeah, you know what? I don't think it is trivial because I don't necessarily believe in objectivism, and I don't necessarily espouse Anne Rand, but. She is followed by a lot of people. But she's, and follow- think, and she's not. She's followed by a tiny little minority. I don't, I, I, You're I, absolutely wrong. Gil, I, I, I Ayn Rand's book, Atlas Shrugged, is the second most read book after the Bible in the United States. And Come on, it was on the New York Times bestseller list. What about the rest of the world? They don't read her. The well, listen, you know if where you, 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 primitive you American go to India, you will see Ayn Rand's books in every corner variety store. 
I know because I spoke to Mark Emery, who was over there, and he was just astounded by it. He did an exhaustive like survey that. of every corner store in India. He did. He practically walked across the country. Uh, he found some good seeds while he was there. Yes, he did that too. <laughs> but listen, if you're going to give us Jack Layton and his claptrap, then I think Ayn Rand is fair game, and that we can uh, that that we can bring it up. You're the one proposing no, this is that my Jack point. Layton. This is my point about this show. Whether you're running it or whether Jim's running it, I always have to talk about the right wing. Okay, there are guys, CAW members down at the Ford plant who listen to yeah. this show. They vote NDP, they're progressive, they vote they also in social vote, justice. They vote a lot of things. And, and they want to hear about the debate within the left, about who should be leading the left. And, mm-hmm. and that's the problem. You bring me on as the token guy to, 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 to debate the, oh. the debate right-wing issues so that you can say that you're fair. But when we want to talk about our agenda, you want to go and talk about Ayn Rand, which is ridiculous. We What's your talk- agenda? Okay. Our agenda is a, is one for social justice, yeah, and one for democracy. What's the hold on? Far more democracy than we have now. Well, how does social okay. justice differentiate from individual justice? I don't, you know, whenever th- people, you know, people like you talk about social justice, you mean uh, equality. You mean equality of kind. You want to make uh, the guy who's making ten dollars an hour equal to the guy who's making twenty dollars an hour. That's social justice to you. Now, social justice is. Uh, acknowledgement that in our society in an advanced civilization like the most advanced we've ever had a government, both all levels of government and society in general has a responsibility to help those people who are at the bottom the people who are weak, the people who do not have education the people who are addicted to drugs and the, why don't the people we do, who why have do family we have, why problems. do we have universal programs instead of programs that just help the poor? We should have universal programs because there you go. If you have a <laughs> universal program like Medicare that applies the to the middle class, the middle class will defend it. And you guys know, yeah, you right wingers know that as soon as you make a program only right only available to poor people, then there's no interest of the middle class or the upper class to support that program. Because your real objective is to destroy Medicare and to destroy public education and to destroy equality and democracy. Why would anyone want to destroy Medicare and public education? Because they, well, Mike Harris did it when he was in power. And his objective... Medicare is collapsing under uh, its own weight. No, it's not your turn. It's my turn now. No. uh, (laughs) Mike Harris's objective, you asked the question, Mike Harris's objective was to bring in private health care and private education. Now he didn't get as far as he wanted to go. I don't but think that those was ideas his are unique to Mike Harris. Well, I don't think are, and they're great ideas. I, I wish right Mike Harris was right wing ideas that, but he that we need to fight. Right Mike Harris centralized the education system. He did not make it more private in that sense. You know what? What you want to do is get government out of running the schools. You know, if you want the government to pay for people to go to schools, that's a separate issue. No, we from want the government to running the schools. We want public education. That is available to all. Is it that not is available publicly to all right funded? Now? That is. Pu- is it publicly funded right now? It is public. Is it available to it's all? It's partially funded now because Harris brought in this this voucher system. Do the public? Does the government fund the whole system? The gov- right now. No, because part of the private tuition. Who are paid funds it? Part. Okay. Mo- it's most. Why send my kid to the corner right. the corner school? You you ask about is education totally funded I said by the public government? Public education yeah. is it publicly funded right now? Yes. Okay. Has but it been there destroyed? is a significant. There is a private education. There is a private education. He's, he's against private education. He's not in favor of public education. He just doesn't want anyone to have a choice or do anything different because it's not that, about that. That wouldn't be social justice to him. It's not about choice. You see, it is all about when, choice. That That's is what a life red, is about. That sir. is a red 
herring. Okay, well, thank you. Choice is a red herring because <laughs> when you start allowing a, a private education system to okay. develop through a voucher system, yes. through a voucher system, here we you go. end up you end up with poor schools in King the in Gil the here. poor schools in the working class districts are underfunded. To allow me or anyone else to go to the kind of schools and things that we want to go to. Who are you to me? Like what gives you that right over me? I don't. I don't understand that. I've never understood it. I don't it's understand. not. It's insane. You've reduced it. You've reduced it I've once reduced again it to, to what it is to individuals. And that's it's not what about, it is. No, it's a public education system that should be available to See, all. That's a, that was that a problem with Hitler. He never all. thought of individuals. He thought of the collective, and he didn't care what happened to individuals at the bottom. And that's true of all collectivists. This, yeah, this is this is more Ayn Rand right wing. Blabber. Yes, it is, and you cannot counter it with name-calling and Nazi-calling. That's, that's your only response. Okay. You haven't got an I, idea. I will defend Gentlemen, public education because everybody has a right to public education. You if you seconds. allow the middle class or the upper class to have their own system, they will underfund the public system, and what you'll end up with is poor kids in poor schools with poor teachers and underfunded. And that is, that's the objective. That's where they want to go. They won't say that publicly, but that's what's happened in other jurisdictions when they've done that. Well, first of all, Mr. The, upper, Metz, you have 30 the upper class can already do what they want. The issue of underfunding is a red herring because you just tax them. That's, they don't, they're not given a choice whether they pay for the public schools or not. And, and you know, that's the problem with, with the direction the whole country's going in and all the other political parties is that they want to continually run things for us and the things they run get worse while the choices we get taken, you know, are always taken away. I think it's time for the citizen in this country to become part of a true democracy and have part have their own freedom of choice. That's what, to me, the democracy was all about in the first place. By giving freedom of choice to the middle class and the upper class, you take it away from the working class. Bob Metz, Gilmoran. <laughs> choices are red herrings. Unbelievable. That's wow. it. You guys are done. Uh, coming up next, J.P. Ricciardi, Senior Vice President and General Manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. We're going to talk about the economic structure in baseball. Talk about socialism, North American sports. Holy smokes, why should the Yankees share any of their money? Ah, look at the Europeans. Free markets, capitalism. Your team fails? Too bad.